Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to have Blackstone Products CEO Roger Daly on the podcast today. Now, Blackstone Products is a design-driven company that is redefining the outdoor cooking experience with griddle cooking appliances and accessories. On the show, Roger discusses how he invented the home griddle and created Blackstone Products, why griddling is becoming so popular, how they utilize social media and original content to drive brand awareness, his favorite thing to cook on the griddle, and more. So with no further ado, here's our show, Talking Griddling with Blackstone Products CEO, Roger Daly. Welcoming Roger to the show all the way from cold Utah. How are you doing today, Roger? Doing great. Thank you. Really excited to get into the Blackstone Products story today. I've never actually tried... uh, griddling. You know, I'm more of a standard barbecue guy. I'm uh, so admittedly not a great cook, but I have aspirations. So I'm looking for some tips from you today. First off, grilling is out. Griddling is in. Tell us what's so great about griddling. Oh, it's, it, that's an exciting question and many, many things. So I'll try to calm myself down and answer your question. <laughs> so griddling is different from, from traditional barbecue grilling because we're cooking on a flat surface. We're, uh, our, our standard size is 36 inches by 20 inches deep. It, and it has four burners on it. So you have four heat zones and you can have high, medium, low across, uh, across the griddle surface. So that's number one. Number two, and so there's no open flames, there's no fires to put out, and it's just really super simple and easy. But really the biggest difference is, is the food that you can cook on a griddle compared to a traditional gas grill. Typically when people think of barbecuing outside, they, they think of a steak or hamburgers, hot dogs, or chicken. Yeah. And that, that's been kind of the main dishes that you cook outside with a traditional gas grill or charcoal grill. But with a griddle... All of a sudden, street tacos, fajitas, stir fry, smash burgers, and breakfast, right? Pancakes, scrambled eggs, fried eggs, French toast, hash browns. A griddle completely unlocks hundreds and hundreds of meals that you couldn't traditionally cook outside. So, you know, we like to say breakfast, lunch, and dinner because you can cook every meal every single day of the year on your griddle as opposed to a regular gas or charcoal grill. That makes a lot of sense to me, and I don't understand why you know this hasn't been around for longer than it has. You guys basically created the category. Uh, from what I read online, you're quite the inventor. Can you tell us where where this idea came from, and why did no one do it before you? Well, yeah, interesting. So I didn't invent the griddle. To your point, they've been around forever, but they've only been in commercial kitchens. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only place you could go buy a griddle if you wanted to. And you couldn't find one to use on the patio or the backyard. And I was inspired by that. And I, I had cooked on a griddle and I had seen them being used at different things. And the first ones that I, that I saw that really, really intrigued me were ones that were basically handmade in some guy's welding shop. And they just got a big flat piece of steel and put some burners underneath it and called it a griddle. 
And I thought, I want one of those, but I couldn't find one for sale anywhere. And I knew instantly that is a home run item that needs to be that needs to be put in a box so I can ship it to retail customers and, and people can enjoy it. That's back in, you know, as, as late as 98, 2000, I kind of got inspired by the idea Then I just kept working on it. And I had other projects that I was doing at the time. So it was kind of a back burner thing for me, no pun intended. <laughs> but uh, we, I, I just kept working on it. And finally, one day I thought, you know, I need to get that done. And so it's kind of a funny story. I actually took out a yellow notepad with a pen and a, and a ruler and drew it on a piece of paper. And at the time, the company I was operating, I had a guy that worked for me that spoke Chinese and could travel and source for us. And I sent him overseas with that drawing. It took us about a year to really get it where we liked it with prototypes going back and forth and samples. And so, in, you know, in the early 2000s, late 2000s, we really started coming out with the griddle where we could actually produce it, manufacture it, get it at a really nice affordable price point, put it in the box and ship it to retail customers. Yeah, so I love the innovation and you didn't come out with the first commercial product until 2008. So it seems like this idea, you know, it was kind of slow forming, but you really nailed it in terms of product market fit. Now, from a customer's perspective, one thing you did mention in terms of, you know, why would a gas barbecue guy or why would a pellet grill guy convert to a griddle, you know, the, the assortment of food that you can cook on it. Are there any other competitive advantages over the traditional, you know, what people use? Well, if I break down the industry right now, and I'll keep it really simple, you really have gas grills, charcoal grills, and then pellet grills are really kind of in the smoker category. Right. Because there's big green eggs, and then there's also offset smokers that use wood or charcoal chunks. But basically, that, that whole category is cooking your protein or your food at a low temperature over a long period of time. So those are smokers in general, and then griddles. And, and what, what we're seeing in the industry is that pellet grills and or smokers are, are somewhat disruptive to the traditional gas grill industry, as are griddles. And, and between those two, they definitely have the highest sales increases year over year and, and are gaining market share where traditional gas grills are probably losing some market share. But here's to me, here's the really cool thing. Griddles, we're actually helping to make the pie bigger. So while we're disruptive, we're still getting the, the whole outdoor cooking arena bigger. And we do that by bringing more users to outdoor cooking who never would have gone there before. For example, we're really proud of the fact that I believe we have the highest percentage of female cooks in the industry. Now, there's no statistic that I can, I can show you that shows that, but our product is so easy to cook on. It's not intimidating. There's no flare-ups. There's no fires to worry about. You don't have to go out and figure out how to start charcoal or uh, you know, pellet grilling can be challenging and there's a learning curve to that. Cooking on a griddle is simple. We get, we get pictures every day of moms and kids and all, you know, from all ages using our griddles because they're fast, they're fun, and they're easy, and they just unlock food variety like none other. Yeah, to me, it seems like it's not uh, mutually exclusive, one or the other. I wouldn't be surprised to go into someone's backyard and see the gas barbecue grill, the pellet grill, and then the griddle as a new addition. So you guys carved out this 
cool new niche. Clearly, it's catching on in the market. And in terms of product development over time, you launched the initial Griddle in 2008, but you've had pretty significant growth there, revenue in the hundreds of millions of dollars annually. So how has Blackstone Products lineup in terms of your product suite, how's that developed over time? Well, it's interesting. When we first came out, we had one size. It was the big 36-inch griddle, which is still my number one selling size. But we, we have, um, I kind of call them cooking platforms. Over time, we've developed a range of sizes of griddle plate that we cook on. We've developed some units that are completely portable and tabletop versions. We actually have an outdoor electric griddle in a tabletop version in two different sizes. And then we also have uh, griddles now that include hoods and cabinets with doors and drawers. So it kind of hides the propane tank. And we're moving up in, in uh, retail price point as we develop those bigger cart units that hide the tank and look a little bit prettier on the patio. So we, we've got a wide range of uh, product. And then we break that down into different portfolios of, uh, of series, if you will. And we do that mainly to help with the retail distribution strategy. So we can give Walmart uh, a, a class of goods that's mostly exclusive to them. Same with Lowe's, same with Ace Hardware and all the other retailers that we do business with. So they each can go out and really concentrate on their demographics as far as customers and re- retail price point ranges. And that helps us, too, because we have a huge variety of customers. Some people want our small portable units. Some people want the big 36-inch griddle. Some people want something in the middle. So it's really developed into a wide range of product that we can offer the customer. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF, symbol 1C, ONEC on the TSX is Canada's first alternatives portfolio solution, providing exposure to six alternative asset classes, 10 alternative strategies, and one easy-to-use, one-choice ETF that charges a management fee of just 0.2%. The Accelerate One-Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF trades under the symbol 1C ONEC on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Switching gears a bit here, could you talk a little bit about the unit economics of, of your business? As far as? Just overall profitability. I do know that you're one of the few SPACs that's coming to market that has EBITDA and and things of that nature. So just overall, what your profitability, like what, what it costs to build the product as well as what the price point and overall margins and things of that nature. Sure. I'll, I'll talk kind of generally, because I don't want to give my competitors exact unit costs, but generally when we sell our griddles, we're selling those to our wholesale customers, our retail customers. We're, we're, we're generating margins in the you know low 20s to 25% margin range. When we sell our accessories, we're a little bit higher than that, the mid 20s to the upper thir- the lower 30s, upper 30s in some cases. And then, um, you know, last year, for example, we, we ended the year at $484 million in revenue and had $81 million of adjusted EBITDA. So that, that's a good range for us. We operate very, very conservatively. We don't have a big operating expense. And we, we really 
we're just where we live and how we operate and the culture that we have at Blackstone. We're a very conservative com- company as far as operational expense is concerned. So we have a really nice bottom line. We make money. We continue to make money. That's our goal. We're not trying to drive revenue and and someday make money. We make money right now and we, we plan to continue to do that. It's, it's nice when you don't have a big head office in San Francisco or New York. <laughs> so you got the operating expenses in line. Now, switching gears to the marketing side, you guys are really killing it uh, just with respect to social media. Went a bit viral on TikTok and YouTube with respect to users cooking videos. Like, was this a planned marketing strategy? How did that develop? Well, it's definitely planned, but nobody can plan and say, hey, let's go get a billion views on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You, you, just, you just can't do that even if you try really hard and you got a lot of smart guys doing it for you. But it is absolutely planned. And what really benefits us is the fact that our, our, our appliances to cook on are so fun and so easy and they're all so fast. That completely lends itself to TikTok. You're not going to go on TikTok with a 14-hour video cooking a, a, a pork shoulder. Right. It just doesn't this doesn't quite work. But what you will do is go on there and show how you make smash burgers or how you do a street taco or how you make hash browns with a golden crisp on the outside. And that's fast and easy and fun. We we have uh, an incredible in-house development team, social media development team. We produce content every single day. We post content uh, on a, almost on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. We're posting content to all of our platforms, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. And it, then it's just exploded. And it's so cool because it's all been organic. We haven't paid for those searches. We're not pulling them from one site to the other. This is organic use. And so the influencers out there are our customers, and they love to cook something new, and they love to share it with family and friends. And from there, it's just gone viral. And in terms of the social media and marketing that you guys do, so you have the influencers and the users of the product basically advertising it for you. But from what I understand, you also produce a good amount of original content that you put out there. Yeah, we do. We have we have a really unique team um, in-house, and uh, one of them is a trained culinary chef, and he posts every day. One of our in-house influencers is a guy named Bruce Mitchell. He was on the Discovery Channel. He was on uh, Swamp People. He'd go out and catch alligators. He was using a Blackstone online, and we connected over time. And, and now Bruce is uh, producing content for us. In fact, with Bruce, we've actually filmed 30-minute mini documentary-style shows with what you would might call soft advertising in the middle of it. But we just go and interview Bruce and go on his boat and go out in the swamps and he catches fish and cooks them and talks about life. So it's phenomenal. Those are streaming right now on uh, Roku and Amazon Fire Stick. So they're really fun to watch. We have a we have a we have a lady who's gone by the name of Blackstone Betty <laughs> and she cooks Italian style food and seafood on a griddle, which you wouldn't necessarily think you could do that, but the food she she produces and cooks is phenomenal, and, and she produces content on a weekly basis as well. So the other thing we do that's really interesting is we, we, have, um, we have a thing called the Griddlemore Tour, and we support that every year, and we have a live demonstrator who goes out. He'll visit uh, key stores and key marketplaces, Walmarts, Lowe's, Aces, whatever we line up, 
and he'll be somewhere over the over the summer at a store someplace demonstrating. And we post his tour online and he has such a large following now. He actually has people, fans, that will drive over a hundred miles to come and see him cook and get his picture and autograph. So it's it's just a phenomenal experience to be able to go out and 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 watch him live at one of those events. It's quite the rock star gribbler sounds like now, touching on the business side of things, uh, exciting mm-hmm. times at Blackstone Products announced a merger with Acryl SPAC Partners to bring the company from the private markets to the public markets. And it's happening at what could be viewed as an opportune time. I mean, the pandemic was pretty phenomenal for your category, outdoor cooking, because people were stuck at home. They're buying more stuff for their home because they're not traveling. They're not going out. And I'm sure uh, griddles were a beneficiary of that. So you had this you know, tremendous growth over the past couple of years. How do you talk to investors with respect to, look, we're a sustainable growth story. We're going to continue to grow in the future and have them not be too concerned that, you know, it wasn't just like a one-time bump? Yeah, that's a great question. And the pandemic absolutely benefited a lot of categories, the outdoor category being one of those, and anything outside, whether you were uh, grilling at home or improving the backyard with with furniture or, or swimming pools or whatever the case may be, landscaping. A lot of that happened over the last couple of years. For Blackstone, it felt kind of normal because we've been growing at 65% a year since 15. So we didn't really feel the COVID bump. It felt like a normal bump to us, as funny as that sounds. The other thing that's interesting is we couldn't really, even though there was increased demand, we couldn't really take advantage of it because you know we have to, we have to plan our production cycles. We work on them on a yearly basis and then fine tune them as we get closer. But with the supply chain being extended and challenging as it's been, it's not like I could flip a switch and get another 2 million griddles in stock in 30 days. You just can't do it. So for us, we didn't really feel a normal bump. Going forward, the way we look at it, Blackstone is still a very young company. There's still over 65% of the United States that have never heard of our brand. And so our household penetration is still relatively low. And as we continue to to do all of our social media outreach, marketing, and advertising. As we increase viewership and as we have more and more people come in contact with our product, that's our growth cycle moving forward. So we, we're, we're just in a different phase than some of my competitors in our company's lifestyle. We're still the new guy on the block and still up and coming and really on a product life cycle. We're just starting to go up the bell curve. We've just passed the early adapters and innovators in products. And now we're starting our way up the curve of the bell. But we still have millions and millions and millions of people who've never heard of our product. And as soon as they do, you guys will both want one by the time we're finished today. <laughs> I already do. <laughs> yeah. And so by the time we're finished, that that's what happens. It's, it's funnier too, because earlier on, we were talking about people having multiple cooking units on their patio. And that's very true today. Mm-hmm. But what we see happen all the time is somebody buys a griddle and after a very short time frame, the gas grill or the charcoal grill either gets really dusty or it gets a for sale sign put on it because mm-hmm. they just quit using it and they just use the griddle. So that, that, that just is going to continue as a trend. We might be bought as the second item, but when we get to that tipping point, when people go into the store to replace what's burnt out or rusted out, 
And they'd say, you know what? Let's get a griddle this time as our main cooking device because our friends, they say that's all they cook on. We're just getting to that stage. And so we still have a huge amount of white space in front of us for growth. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, symbol ARB on the TSX, is the world's first SPAC-focused ETF with a diversified portfolio of SPAC and merger arbitrage opportunities in an easy-to-use, low-cost ETF. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF trades under the symbol ARB on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Absolutely. And I don't think there's any doubt that being a public company will really help with that brand outreach campaign. And so I guess along with that, going public, um, you chose a SPAC structure to go public. What, what stood out to you with the Acrel team um, as, a, as a SPAC partner? What, what, what made it a good fit? Yeah, so it, it goes back a little bit further than that in understanding what we were trying to do. And really, you know, there's myself and then my Chinese fat, my main Chinese factory is my, other, is my other partner and actually the majority shareholder of the company. We recognized two or three years ago that we really needed to have a long-term goal in place and plan in place where we had the working capital we need to support the growth of our business. And so we started exploring options and we looked at everything, refinancing, taking on personal debt, talking to VC groups about buying some of the ownership of the company, everything you can think of except going public, which is kind of funny. We never really considered that as part of the plan. But in that about an 18-month process of investigating and talking to people and actually receiving written offers from some groups, we decided that none of those really fit and didn't really meet the long-term goals that I had and my partners had. In the meantime, our financial advisor was Mike Ackrell. And coincidentally, he had started a SPAC, and Blackstone was not a target of the original SPAC partners when they put that together. They went out. And, and the targets that they had uh, fell through and didn't work out and didn't line up for them. And then what happened in our industry is some of my competitors were going public. Yep. We were able now to really get a good uh, a view of the financials and the, and the evaluations that they were getting. And when we saw that, and of course, I'm a little bit biased, but I'm like, <laughs> hey, we're better than all of that. We sh- maybe we should do the SPAC with you. And so Mike talked with his group and one thing led to another, and, and that's really how we got to where we are. So it just really, over time, fell into place. Now, in terms of this long-term plan and the growing public transaction, it's reading through the investor presentation, and you discussed two major initiatives for the future of the company. One is international expansion, and the second is margin expansion. What are some of the main drivers of success in terms of completing those initiatives? Well, with international sales, quite frankly, it's just getting dedicated resources. Uh, Our brand is already beating us to international markets. It's interesting when a consumer product in the U.S. gets really popular, it starts finding its way around the world. And we're going into countries and there's ACE dealers, for example, that are international dealers and they come to the ACE hardware shows and they see Blackstone and they start importing a couple of containers here and there. We don't even know about it and it's fine. But we go to some countries and they're like, oh, cool, Blackstone's kind of here. 
And so international customers are already hearing about our brand. So what I need is dedicated resources to get me there faster. And this year, I've hired some folks internally, an international sales manager, and then he's building up a team. We've hired an independent sales rep in Mexico City, and we're already having success. We've got commitments for retail placement in Mexico City. We've got retail placement in Australia with two key retailers there. We have a very, I'm really happy about this. I'm not going to say the name, but got a great retailer in Canada who's committed to carry our product going forward. We're really excited about that. And then we also have a distributor that we signed on with for the Middle East countries. And he's taking orders. And I didn't know that in Saudi Arabia that people went, went camping, and, and but they love it. And Blackstone has already made inroads there. So it's really exciting. The other thing we'll do is attend a trade show in Germany this coming June. It's kind of the international outdoor cooking show over there, and, and, and we're excited to attend that. But for really big international expansion, uh, part of the use of proceeds, I'm going to dedicate to hiring local folks in local countries, setting up some distribution facilities and centers so they can have great customer service and parts replacement on hand locally. So that's my international plan. I just need to go there and show it to people and sell it. it it's not going to be that difficult. The other, um, what was the other question you had along those lines? Margin expansion. Margin expansion is kind of a multiple step process for us. You know, Blackstone, originally I positioned Blackstone as a very value driven brand. We're not a high end premium brand. We love the fact that when someone takes our product home and they've paid well under $1,000, they're delighted with the quality that they get. It's a great value. In addition to that, when they cook on the product and it performs so well, then they're even more delighted. And I absolutely want to continue to drive the value that we give our end user customers. However, I need to improve my margins. So there's a couple of ways we're going to do that. First off, we're expanding our manufacturing base. And that gets me more competitive in Asia. We're expanding into Vietnam, which will help mitigate a 25% tariff that's, that, that comes out of China on our product line. And we're also, we'll also be expanding to manufacturing here in the United States. So that's, that's a big part of it right there. Second part of it is driving more of our sales to our D2C business. Right now, our D2C is less than, well less than 5% of my total revenue. A lot of reasons why. Mainly is because I just haven't had enough inventory to support a D2C business. And second off, I have to merchandise the product differently on online. So if I sell Amazon a griddle by itself, a 36-inch griddle by itself, they have a much lower operating expense as far as freight goes out to the customer. I can't compete with them. So if I sell it to Amazon or if I sell it online at the same price as Amazon and pay the freight out to the customer, it's the same margin for me. But when I take a griddle, make it a little bit unique, not available at retail, and then add a bundle with it with some of my tools and spices and create an awesome value for the customer, then I can take that same griddle where I'm in the 20 to 25% margin and get it all the way up to 30 to 35% margin when I sell it D to C. So that's a big initiative for us right there. And then one of the other things we're doing is just product mix, as I mentioned. We're introducing... um, a high-end premium line of product, but it will still be very value-driven. And we will have drop-in appliances for people's outdoor kitchens. 
And that whole product line just lends itself to higher margins, much higher margins, because in some cases it might be two-step distribution. But that, that product category has a huge opportunity for Blackstone. And then eventually we'll get into uh, other product lines in the outdoor kitchen area that, again, have just higher margins as part of the business. So when you combine all three of those, we're able to take where we are today and start adding a couple of points here, a couple of points there to the bottom line and, and improve the, the whole margin structure of the company over time. Uh, revenue growth combined with margin growth is a wonderful thing for investors. Now, another investment that uh, factor that you highlight in your investor presentation is you, Roger. I mean, you're the inventor, founder, CEO, and I should note you own a significant portion of the stock. Why do you feel that that's important. Um, most investors know that typically or on average, founder-led companies do better in the stock market. Maybe just care more. But uh, besides that, is there any other highlights that investors should know about? Yeah. Um, well, I certainly care about as much as you can. Right? <laughs> this is, this is um, you know, you almost get very sentimental about that conversation if you're me. This is the culmination of a lifetime of work in what I call retail distribution and, and selling consumer products through mass market retailers, which I've done for almost 30 years now. And, you know, you just don't get this ride very often where a product comes along that's disruptive, that resonates with the customer, that is a great value to the, to the customer and and disrupts a whole category, creates an, a whole new category. Those chances are very, very rare. And so, you know, to come on and get it started and then exit with a big check, to me, would just be the worst thing you could possibly do. I have no motivation to do that. This is just way too much fun. And there's so much, there's so much cool product we have coming out. I can't wait to expand our categories and our offerings and just see where this thing goes. So, yeah, I, there's no way I'm slowing down. This is just way too much fun. <laughs> That's great to hear. Now, Roger, prior to letting you go, one last question. It's a fun one. What's your favorite thing to cook on the griddle? Any good recipes for us? Well, I'll tell you what. you got to make smash burgers on the griddle. I don't know what it is, but you get your hamburger, and I use 80-20. I know some people like, you know, 95-15 or 90-10, but you get some good 80-20 hamburger, and you make a ball um, bigger than a golf ball, a little bit smaller than a racquetball, and then you get a white onion. Don't do yellow or red. Get a white onion, and if you have a mandolin or a, a slicer, you slice that onion just paper thin and get a huge pile of it, and then get, believe it or not, American cheese and regular buns, and so you take your balls of meat and you put them on the griddle, and and then you use one of our smashers or just a big spatula, and you put a big pile of white onions on top of it and smash it down. And and when that meat smashes out, it's not going to be a round patty. It's going to go all over the place in an irregular shape and have little pockets where it actually smashed clean through, and that's what gives it all the flavor. And it cooks really fast. And so you put the onions on top, and when you flip the hamburger, it only with two to three minutes, you have to flip the hamburger. And then you put the cheese on top of that and a bun on top of that. And then the heel of the bun on top of that, I just let it rest. Some people like to put their buns on the griddle and toast them, but I just put them on top of each other. And then within just a few minutes, that thing's ready to take off and you lift the bottom 
bun off, put the spatula under it, and put the hamburger on top of the bottom bun. And then I just add a couple of picker, pickles. I don't use ketchup, mustard, but you can, right? You can use all those things. But that hamburger, you just you just can't believe how good that thing tastes. It's unbelievable. And then I like a few variations. I'll put some jalapenos in it sometimes and, uh, you know, just a few. There's lots of iterations you can do off that. But that basic that basic formula, oh, my gosh. And your kids who never eat onions, don't even tell them you're cooking them. <laughs> and they just pound them like there's no tomorrow. They'll eat three or four of them easy. Well, there you have it, folks. A nice new recipe for summer, as I'm sure many of our listeners will be picking up a griddle here. With that pitch, it's hard to deny. But Roger, thank you for coming on the show today. Now, if investors are interested, Acryl SPAC Partners trades under the symbol ACKIT. And once the merger is complete, Blackstone Products will trade under the symbol BLKS. So wishing you the best of luck, and thank you for sharing with us the story and, most importantly, your favorite recipe. Thank you. That was fun, guys. Enjoy it. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast, Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.